We're going to turn to the book of Hosea. And these words are the words of God to his people as he likens his relationship to that of a faithful husband to an unfaithful wife. Hosea chapter 2, starting at verse 14. Therefore, I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. There I will give her back her vineyards and will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. There she will respond as in the days of her youth, as in the day she came up out of Egypt. In that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. You will no longer call me my master. I will remove the names of the Baals from her lips. No longer will their names be invoked. In that day, I will make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field, the birds in the sky and the creatures that move along the ground. Bow and sword and battle I will abolish from the land so that all may lie down in safety. I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice, in love and compassion. I will betroth you in faithfulness and you will acknowledge the Lord. In that day, I will respond, declares the Lord. I will respond to the skies and they will respond to the earth and the earth will respond to the grain, the new wine and the olive oil and they will respond to Jezreel. I will plant her for myself in the land. I will show my love to the one I called not my loved one. I will say to those called not my people, you are my people and they will say you are my God Father we thank you for the Bible and we simply pray that you would speak to us now by your spirit and that we would respond to you Amen Well good morning everyone um, it's a, a wonderful day, isn't it, when we baptise three young people. Uh, it's one of the most exciting days, I think, in our church calendar when we do that. It's also mixed with sadness today uh, for some of us because uh, Deb Yarwood, who is due to be baptised today, is really not very well. Uh, she has a skin disease that is spreading all over her body. Uh, she's recently come to such a passionate faith in Jesus. And uh, I just would really love it if we could just stop and pray for her and uh, for her family family, uh, for Lisa, her sister, and uh, for her family at this time. So uh, I'll lead us in a prayer. Lord, thank you for Deb, and thank you for the amazing change that you've made in her. And Lord, we pray for her now in hospital. We pray, God, that you would heal her body in the name of Jesus, that this skin disease would be stopped in its tracks, and uh, instead of spreading and being uh, even more contagious, would actually be reversed in the name of Jesus. Lord, we believe that the next time we do these baptisms, she will be here uh, just giving testimony to the ways that you've held her through her valley of trouble and brought her to a door of hope. We pray for her now and for all that love her. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're looking at commitment today in relationships. And uh, last week, Andy looked at communication. And uh, this week, we're looking at commitment. How does God's commitment to us impact our relationships? Do we even know this morning that he is committed to us? I hope that as Tim read from Hosea, uh, that you heard that for you, that betrothal of God to you, to us 
that actually in, in Hosea we hear uh, the prophet speaking to, to the Northern Territory of Israel at the time and actually saying, people, you need to hear that God's love for you is unconditional, resilient, committed, no matter what. Compared to someone who's betrothed to love someone who is adulterous time and time again, yet God's love continues. And actually, the people of the day were incredibly affluent. It was a time of prosperity. It was a time that Hosea was writing where things on the outside looked pretty good. And there was a time of victory under Jeroboam II. And everything looked on the outside really prosperous. And God said that he was hurt by their debauchery, by their drinking, by their lying, all of that. But he said, do you know what hurts me the most? It's the fact that they've forsaken their love for me, that they've put foreign gods, idols, if you like, in the way of me. Because this is a two-way relationship that we're looking at today, that actually out of God's great love, his great commitment to each of us, comes our response, whatever that might look like. Now, some people will love the word commitment. Some people will have fear around it. There'll be all sorts of emotions, even in this room, around it. But let's have a look at some things that were said about it. I thought this was quite funny. Uh, just a pen looking at a pencil, if everybody remembers those things. And uh, it says, um, to the pen is saying to the pencil, you're afraid of commitment, aren't you? A little bit of a fear of commitment there. And uh, that resonates with me to a certain extent. Uh, way back when, I used to work for a theatre company and loads of offers used to come in and different things, different tours, different venues. And our administrator always used to put lots of things in the diary in pencil. And you saw it in the pencil, you didn't really take any much notice, you know, you carried on. But the day that it went into pen, that was the day that we were pledged, no matter what, whether your leg was falling off, whether you had a fever, that you had to be there because it was in pen. And that meant that the contract had been signed and we had to deliver. And in a way, that's the world that we live in. We live in the world of contracts and contractual obligation, if you like. We live in a world where if it's not working for us, we can switch provider. You know, the lovely Martin Lewis with his great enthusiasm. You know, if it's not working for you, change and change again. And I'm sure that's brilliant advice financially at times. I'll check that with Julian at the end, but I think it is. But actually, there's a message there that is broader and wider that we can easily breathe in. And that is, if it's not working for you, change. Change partner, change friendship group, change the, the life group you're in, the church you're in, because actually, you know, it's not working for me at the moment. And yet, when we look at this commitment that God has for us, isn't it worth staying because he has stayed for us and with us? A couple of quotes that I saw online. Love is an unconditional commitment to an imperfect person. To love somebody isn't just a strong feeling, it's a decision, a judgment, and a promise. If you like, it's more than a contract, it's a covenant. A covenant that is not based on whether we're feeling it or not. I love this one. When confronted with a challenge, the committed heart will search for a solution. The undecided heart will search for an escape. <clears throat> that really, really resonates with me. If I'm committed to someone or something, there's a kind of fork in the road sometimes whether you think, am I in this for the long haul? Am I going to stick at it? Or am I looking for a way out? And we all know there are both within us. 
There's perhaps that power to commit to your marriage, to your relationships, to your family, to your friendships, your life group. But sometimes there's the temptation to walk away. There's the temptation to say, it's too hard for me. Uh, now, we're not having great light on this at the moment, but uh, this is a question I want us to ponder. Who is in the boat with you? Who is in your boat? Who is it that you have in your circle that you are fully committed? This might be your life group. doesn't look like any members of my life group. I'd just like to make that very clear. Um, but there, there are four of us, though. Um, but actually, looking at that, who have you got in your boat? Whether that's your life group here at church, or if you're not a regular here at church, is it your family? Is it the person you're going out with? Is it the person you're married to? Whoever it is... We have people in our lives who are doing the journey with us. So let's just in a moment, just think about as we go on to look at scripture in this, who is it that this applies to? Who is it perhaps that you might even feel close to be giving up on, that God just wants to say, hang in there and look at the power of staying with them? So let's just do that quietly in our own hearts. Interestingly, as we look at relationships, uh, we live more and more in the day of the prenuptial agreement, sort of came out of Hollywood, and now in a way people are protecting their backs financially, protecting, this is my kind of look, setting out, if it doesn't work out, you get this, I get that, protecting so that we can hold back. And in a way, again, that's become culturally acceptable, but God's commitment is covenant, and covenant is different. Contract is based on fear, but covenant is based on love. It's based on the fact that actually God unconditionally loves us. And when we get married, as we uh, had yesterday with Nathaniel and Alice, when we actually covenant to one another, it's not just signing a piece of paper. It's actually that covenant love that says, I'm here for the long haul. I stay with you no matter what. And it was uh, a truly brilliant day. So let's look then, uh, just in these uh, last few minutes, we haven't got long this morning because I don't want to eat into the baptism time, but looking at God's commitment to us, his love and his rescue, then looking at our commitment to him in return, uh, looking at some verses in Mark, and then our commitment in our relationships because of this love. In Hosea 2, in the passage that we looked at, uh, this is what the prophet says. I will allure her. I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her. There I will give her back her vineyards. And I will make the valley of Achor a door of hope, or Achor, which means trouble. It means trouble. And it may be that actually in the quiet of your heart today, you know that you're in trouble that you're in the valley of trouble. Maybe your marriage feels like it is. Maybe your relationship with someone you really love is in trouble. And it's hard to stay, it's hard to commit. And actually here we have God speaking to us all these thousands of years later saying, I can do this, stick with me. I can even turn the valley of trouble into a doorway of hope. Tim Keller, in his book, The Meaning of Marriage, brilliant book, which I thoroughly recommend, talks about when marriages are unhappy, a lot of marriages, he says, when he's done his research, he says they go through about two years of real, real trouble. 
And it's very easy then to think it's gone, I'm out of here. But he says what's interesting is about 80% of those marriages that have stuck at it in a few years' time become happy again because they've worked through and they've stayed. Now, I know that sometimes that's not possible. We know here amongst us that sometimes we need to get divorced because of a whole host of reasons. And actually, the Bible says, God says in Jeremiah, that divorce hurts him because he sees the pain, that he knows it because God has betrayed, God has loved us and we have betrayed him. So if you've had to live through the pain of that, whatever the reason, God understands that. He understands what it is to be betrayed by each of us. And he says, I understand how painful divorce is. So there are many reasons why that happens, and often it's not of our choosing. But actually, the greater, greater message is no matter what, God can restore your life. He can turn your valley of trouble, whatever that might look like, into a door of hope. I met a lady in Suffolk uh, a few years ago who said that actually she was about to leave her husband. And she said she was in a big meeting and somebody stood up and prayed a prayer that prophesied, if someone here stays in the relationship that they're in, I will turn their valley of trouble into a doorway of hope. And she and her husband a few years ago actually recommitted their vows in a garden uh, outside and looked up and saw that there was actually a gateway, uh, a big trellised gateway over the place where they were renewing their vows, as if God was just putting his seal on it and saying, well done for hanging in there. The power to stay when it's hard is something God understands and celebrates. Hosea 2 says, I will betroth you to me forever. We associate betrothal with marriage, but actually here he is, God saying, I am betrothed to you. And I don't know whether you know him today or not, but that is a really, really big statement that God is saying, no matter what you've done, no matter where you come from, what you're hiding, what you feel shame about, actually he's committed to your life. He's committed to loving you no matter what. In the same book of Hosea, he says, I will cover her shame. I will cover her shame. And we're going to celebrate that in a few minutes with baptism. That whatever our shame, whatever our sin, that actually God's love is greater and that he sent his son Jesus because he didn't want us to stay as we are. Uh, There's a beautiful book called Redeeming Love. Hands up if you've read it by Francine Rivers. Wow quite a lot of us, mainly women, I think, but not all. Now, I need to say something here. I do not like cheesy modern Christian novels. You can hate me for that and uh, whatever. I, I find them nauseating. So everything is prefixed with that. But this is the one that I read that I stuck with and actually I thought, wow, that is good. That is a relationship that you really want to hold out for. So it's actually the book of Hosea told in a way that Michael Hosea is this lovely guy who commits to loving a woman called Angel, who is a nightmare. She pushes him away time and time again. She betrays him. She's unfaithful to him. She flaunts other people in front of him. And actually, he's committed beautifully to loving her no matter what. And I won't do a spoiler for the end, but if you've read the book of Isaiah, you probably know. Uh, But actually, how amazing to have that kind of allegory uh, from Scripture to actually say that's what's staying with someone no matter what. And we know that with God, you might be thinking today, why does God love me? 
Because like Angel, we know that actually we've done so much to push him away. And yet such is the nature of God's love that actually he sent his son to die so that we could be clean again. The power of promising says, I am he who will be there with you. And I just felt as I was praying this morning, I really want you to hear that for your life and for your relationship, whatever it is, that actually God says, I am he who is there with you in your boat, who is there with you and who is committed to you no matter what. And in uh, Tim Keller's book, again, which I recommend, uh, we have this beautiful quote, which really sums it up, I think. When Jesus died, he looked down from the cross. He didn't think, I'm giving myself to you because you're so attractive to me. He was in agony, and he looked at us denying him, abandoning him, betraying him, and in the greatest act of history, he stayed. He loved us not because we were lovely to him, but to make us lovely. And that is a brilliant quote, isn't it? I just think that's it in a nutshell, that actually God loved us so much that he sent Jesus, and actually there was nothing lovely about us, if you like, nothing worth this love that is so incredible, and yet he stepped in the gap for you and has said, I am pledged to you, I'm staying with you, there is nothing too terrible that you can do that I won't love you even more still and bring you back out of your valley of trouble uh, into a, a doorway of hope. So there's a covenant promise and uh, there is the promise to go on loving us. Then in the New Testament, we hear from Jesus that actually he says the greatest commandment in Mark 6, he says the greatest commandment we have is actually to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind and with all our strength. That shows that love on the tough days is a decision. Even when you're loving God, it's a decision. Because otherwise, why would Jesus mention the power of the mind, the strength, the soul? that actually we resolve to love God even when we don't think his life is treating us as kindly as we feel perhaps we deserve. That it's a decision to stay with him, decision to keep on loving him. Matt and Beth Redman wrote the song that we sing many times in this church, Blessed Be Your Name, in the desert place. If you like, in the valley of trouble, they'd had miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage and they were broken and they just didn't think they could carry the pain of it anymore. And they wrote that song to say, do you know what? In all of our pain, we love you back, and we're staying. We don't understand you, we're mystified, but we choose to love you. We choose to return the love that we know that you have for us. So Jesus said it, and then the second part of that, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And as we look at our relationships, as we look at the marriages that we're in, as we look at the groups that we're in, the communities, the families that we're in, that really is about the best advice we could give on commitment, isn't it? Jesus, as ever, has the best advice. If you're struggling in your marriage, if you're struggling in your relationship, to love them as you love yourself. We know how instinctively we love and care for ourselves. We know it in the quiet of our hearts that so often we put self first. But actually the way that we do that, to divert that to the other person, to put their needs ahead of ours, is actually to, to really enjoy the commitment that we can have to each other. 
As we close, I just wanted to read this over us, really. This is uh, written by Francine Rivers at the end of the book, uh, Redeeming Love. And can I just say, if you're a guy here, don't just reject it straight off, that book, because I think it would be good. It sets the bar pretty high, I'm just warning you. Um, But it is really, really good. And uh, I do know guys who I think are quite credible who have read it, so I'll just put that out there. (laughs) Everyone's thinking now, is that me? Am I credible? Uh, Love the Lord your God and love one another as he loves. Love with strength and purpose and passion, no matter what comes against you. Do not weaken. Stand against the darkness and love. That's the way back into Eden, in other words, paradise that we had before we blew it all. That is the very way back to life. And she wrote that at the end of the book, saying, this is why I've written this story, really, to say love like that, love persistently, love with commitment, stand and persist. Uh, So the power of staying, I just really want to pray for us as a community, whether you're part of this or you're here as a, a visitor or a friend, that actually we show to the world in a time where it desperately needs to see it and hear it, that there is a different way to love that there is a way to love unconditionally back to a God who first did that for each of us. So shall we stand? I wonder if you'd stand with me. I would love just to pray for all of us as we recommit our relationships afresh to him. Heavenly Father, thank you that even though there was nothing particularly lovely about us, your son Jesus died to make us lovely. Thank you that the love that you've had throughout history has never given up on us. That whatever we've done to push you away, in whatever ways we've betrayed you and let you down, that you just have stayed with us. And that you promise to do that, not just now, but for eternity, if we come to you and say that we are sorry for all the ways that we've hurt you. And Jesus, now, if we don't know you today, Maybe for the first time, we just give you the things that we've done that have betrayed and hurt you. And we say that we are truly sorry. That we haven't fully understood just how much you love us. And that maybe even today for the first time, we say we stop pushing you away. We open up our hearts and minds to say, I'm staying with you for the rest of my life, as we heard from uh, little Anna earlier on that she chooses to stay following you for the rest of her days. May that be true of each of us, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen.